All right, we're going to go ahead and get started uh, and pick up where we left off last time in our lesson, lesson number 15. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I'm going to try and conserve my voice as much as possible. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll ask you to bear with me as I do that. <clears throat> Thanks for being here this morning. Let's look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we're going to get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to uh, just sit quietly and hear the Spirit speak now. We thank you for your loving presence this morning. We thank you for how you look after us as a family, as a church, as a group. And we thank you for how you touch each one of us individually. We thank you for your healing power. We've prayed for people in our church like Jasper. We pray for his ongoing recovery as well, too. We thank you for looking after him as well as others who have been asking for prayer. Lord, that is, we are reminded that prayer is very powerful. And we thank you that you hear our prayers. You indeed do hear our prayers. We thank you for patience as you answer those prayers as well, too. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. It is important for us to mention that he indeed does hear our prayers. He has not blocked our prayers. As long as we are doing what we should be doing as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, he indeed hears our prayers. And just as an update, since I mentioned Jasper, Jasper did have successful surgery to uh, increase blood flow to the lower portion of his leg uh, so that he will not hopefully lose his foot. He will hopefully keep it. They had to basically build a new artery or build a new vein to allow for blood to go through. And they said the surgery was successful. So Simona did keep us up to date with prayers. And so that's a praise because that's a good thing. That's, there's no guarantees when you do this stuff, see. We have amazing technology that we know where it comes from. God is the one who has to provide the healing and the opportunity for these things to take place. So I just want to remind everybody of that as well, too, just to keep praying. Keep praying for your brothers and sisters in the church. Um, make it a daily approach to do that. Okay? We left off uh, last time about the hour passing from Jesus and about the prayer. And we asked the question, was it possible if, <coughs> pardon me, if the prayer could be, if it was possible, if the hour might pass. Let's go back to Mark chapter 14 and pick up where we left off a little bit. Let's start with verse 35. Mark 14:35. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Mark 14:35 and going a little farther he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Now we ask the question. He prayed for a change about having this cup that he was going to bear a pass from him. And we understand why he, do, well, maybe I should rephrase that. Do we understand why he was praying such a prayer? 
he was going to face pain. Well, he knew he was going to be killed. He was going to face pain, and not just any pain, but a torturous pain. You know, when you've, you know, when I look at, when I remember the movie, The Passion of the Christ, you didn't see it? Well, I'm not going to recommend it, only because I know that it's very graphic. But if you, if you wanted to see a representation of anything that would look like what Jesus Christ went through, you would watch that movie. It was, it was very, very graphic. And it was, it was an, um, well, you remember he was flogged, and you know what they do when they flog you. You're, you're not being flogged with just uh, the horse hairs on a, on a whip. You've got, they have the stuff that's embedded within the hairs of the whip, the, the jagged edges, the rocks or whatever, to literally cut the flesh as you're being flogged. So he was flogged, and we know he was tortured. And of course, the fact that he was nailed to the cross with these huge spikes in his hands, that you would, you know, the equivalent of almost like railroad spikes that were put through his hands, and he was hung, and he basically uh, suffocated. You know, you, when, you're, when you're hanging like that, you're suffocating. So there was, a, there was a suffering that was taking place, and he knew all of these things were going to be taking place. In his flesh, he recognized that. Anybody in his position would be wanting to have a different outcome. Amen? Okay. So we understand that from the fleshly perspective. Yet he knew that it was something that was supposed to take place. He knew that and he understood that. And so in his moment of understanding those very things, falling on the ground and praying for a change in the outcome. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Yes. Yes. That's a great point. Did not think of that. That's great. Daddy, help me. Yes. <clears throat> Father, Dad, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I call my dad Dad. Right, I got you. Well, the man, the man part of the God is, is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, so what we're actually seeing here, too, is a very intimate relationship that Jesus had with the Father. And that should be a reminder to us of the type of relationship that we need to have with Jesus Christ. We actually are going to touch on that today during the message about the type of relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. So we need to see these things and in our moments of weakness we should be calling out to Him. We should be engaging Him We should be having conversation with him. But we need to understand that he already knows what the outcome is going to be. So that is something we need to also understand too. And sometimes we have to come to that grips with those things as well too. You know, we don't always want to deal with what we have to deal with, but sometimes we already know what the outcome is going to be. 
He knows what the outcome's going to be. And he comes back and he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. The most important thing that we have to understand in our relationship with Jesus Christ and in his relationship with the Father, it's about the Father's will. It's whatever the Father's will is, is what we need to be making sure that we are in tune with. So, answering the question once again, you could have answered either way. Jesus knew it was possible, but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. You should always remember, with God, all things are possible. We know it's a Bible verse. It's also the motto for the state of Ohio. You all know that? With God, all things are possible is actually the state motto. They haven't taken God out of that yet. Well, it's still there, so take it and run with it. That is the state motto. With God, all things are possible. It's a great way to remind ourselves that God is the one who is orchestrating all the things that are taking place. He is the one that makes things possible. What we see as impossible, God makes possible. So we could answer this question either way when it comes to Mark 14.36. Jesus knew his mission was to give his life as a ransom for us sinners. Go to Mark 10.45. See, Jesus already knew what his mission was. Amen? We need to understand that this was not something that caught him off guard. He knew exactly why he was born. He knew exactly why he was brought into this world. This is nothing strange to him. Mark 10.45. And understand, too, he was saying all these things while the, while the disciples were around him. And they're like going, what? What? What does that mean? What? They weren't even sure. They would find out later. But he put it out there for him. It says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom. A ransom for many. There was a cost that had to be paid. That's what a ransom is. A cost. Jesus knew the Father's will, yet he asked, Anyway, what are your thoughts on what Jesus did? What do you think? That's his humanity. Right. Okay. Sure. <coughs> Excuse me. Go back to Matthew chapter 4. Sometimes we have to understand and see that Jesus did a lot of things for our benefit, for us to see how he can overcome sin, even in his Moments of humanity. Matthew chapter 4 is a great reminder of this. Now, one of the things that we can do, typically, is in order for us to build our relationship with the Lord, 
is fasting. Fasting is something that not everybody can do. Uh, you, not everybody can go fasting. Well, in this particular passage, Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was hungry. Verse 2 says that. And he was led by the Spirit. Now, now this is something we need to understand here. This is part of a, I like to call it part of a training process. I'm not sure that that's an accurate statement to make, but I'm looking at it from the standpoint where this is something that the Spirit was involved with. The Spirit was, uh, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But again, a lot of this is to show you how you can respond when you are being tempted by the devil. He's going to give you an actual example of this to show you. But he's also going to show you the extreme measures taken here. Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine how hungry this man is? Remember, he's fully human. 40 days and 40... Yeah, Big Jim, forget it, right? There ain't no way in the world you're going to be fasting for 40 days and 40... Big Jim fasting for four hours would be a feat. But fasting for 40 days and 40 nights ain't no way in the world. I fasted one time, I think, for seven days. And I'm not even sure how the heck I did that. This was when I was younger. Today, I don't think I would ever make it that far. It was mostly water and stuff like that. I'm not even sure how I did it. But I'm not, I'm not looking to do it anytime soon. But let's look at this. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, you know good and well Jesus could command those stones to become bread. Amen? Ain't no way in the world he couldn't. He can do that. He can do anything. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, that's a lesson for us in that God's word is supreme. And no matter what the devil says, you don't listen to him. You pay attention to what God's word is. That's the lesson for that particular passage. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Number one, or learn something here. Satan knows scripture too. He is very well versed. Know where he comes from. Remember, he was banished from heaven. He knows all about this stuff. He knows scripture. So for those of you who want to take scripture and apply it or misapply it, which is what Satan will do. That's the same way. That's the same thing that Satan did with Eve. Did the same thing. You surely will not die. So we have to come back to Satan. Is a manipulator. He's a liar, and the father of all lies. So manipulators will do their thing to trip you up. Jesus said to him, verse seven. Again, it is written. Again, it is written, going right back to the word, going right back to the word. Guess what? That's what we always have to do. Back to the word. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Don't test the Lord your God. He may test you, but don't test him. He doesn't have anything to prove. He is sovereign. He will bless you. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Interesting that Satan is actually saying that the world domain is his domain. He's actually acknowledging that that part is true. We live in Satan's domain. The world kingdoms, and there's a lot of kingdoms out there that frankly follow Satan. They don't follow God. They follow anything but God. We are one of the few nations that actually do have God as a banner. And that includes Canada, and that includes Mexico, and that includes a lot of different places nearby. You'd be surprised. Go take a look and see. God has almost left uh, England altogether. They're way ahead in what they've given up as far as their own freedoms. Even way back in the day when I visited England and I went to the, the Canterbury Cathedral in Canterbury, they said church attendance was like 25% of the population. Can you imagine? 25%. That was way back when. And the priest that I had to talk to, he was just shaking his head. Just one of those things. They pretty much acknowledged it. There are very few places now that truly look to God for guidance. And you know what kind of a war we are in here, you know, here in the United States, uh, spiritually. It's a fight. A fight to the finish, y'all. You better believe it. All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Can you imagine? Remember, Jesus is weak. He hasn't eaten. He's hungry. <coughs> He's looking, you know, he, all these things are being said to him to see if he will break. See if he will break. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, once again, for it is written. Do you see this? Every time, for it is written, he is going back to the word. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. We should remind ourselves of that. You only worship the Lord your God, and you only serve the Lord your God. There is no in-between. There is no but. Then the devil left him. Remember, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He can't whoop you unless you want to get whooped. The devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The angels were there to minister to Jesus. So I guess we can say that Jesus passed the test. Amen? That's an example for us to remember, Jesus passing the test. 
So when we go back to our handout, Jesus knew the Father's will, yet he asked anyway, what are your thoughts on what Jesus did? Well, he did what he was called to do. He did what he was supposed to do. He did exactly what, and that's why the Father always says he's pleased with Jesus. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He's pleased with him because he's obedient to the Father. Or as Arella put it, to Daddy. He's obedient. Yes. Well, I was running too, wasn't I? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. He was, yeah, yeah, sure. Well, if you're falling on the ground, if you're falling on the ground and praying, you are in pretty bad straits. Amen? Yes, exactly right. He was crying. He was up, he was in, he was in anguish. It was anguish. And haven't we been there? I mean, we've been there. We know what that's about. It's not like we don't understand being in anguish. Was it preset? Was it predetermined? The date, 40 days and 40 nights, seemed to have a ringing statement. Um... Forty days and forty nights was the amount of time the, the flood covered the earth. There is some connection there. Was it predetermined? I think forty days is not a random thing to me. I think it's a it was a decided day. It's longer than a month. It's an extensive amount of time. I mean it could have been thirty days, right? It could have been twenty days, but forty has a some symbolism with that. Noah's Ark, right, exactly. Exactly, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Even when, no, that's, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right, because we don't really know, the only thing we don't know is what physical condition he was in at the time at that 40th day. I know that even when we're fasting here today, you have to have certain conditions. You've got to drink water. It's absolutely required for you to drink water. Is it impossible? No. We, you could do it. But there's a huge cost in that. And the whole purpose of, what is the whole purpose of fasting anyway? Say it again. Let's get to yourself under control. Okay. Cleansing. Okay. Refocus your thoughts. When you are in need of food and you're hungry and you know that you're doing this fasting deliberately, what's the first thing you're doing? It's calling on the Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me get through this. Lord, help me through this situation. Help me to understand what you want me to do. Help me... 
Now understand, sometimes people fast because they are, don't like what's going on around them and they want to see a change. It's a prayerful approach. And fasting is a gesture that allows a person to be more prayerful and focused in a situation like that. So that's why people will do it. Yeah. But if you get there quickly and you break a leaven, you're kind of doomed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How many of you have been down south in the summertime when it's 95 degrees? Okay. What do you do? You don't do much. It's too hot. You're not going to go outside and do a lot of lawn work. You're not going to go outside and do digging ditches. You slow down. You don't take a lot of strenuous activity. You slow down. If you can find air conditioning, you find that. But the bottom line is that if you're outside for any length of time, you know, even going to Las Vegas at one time, I was outside. It was 107 degrees. I'm saying, and they're talking about dry heat. Dry heat my eye. It's hot. You don't do much of anything. It's too hot. Well, if you're fasting, you don't do much of anything. You're not going to go work out. You're not going to get on a treadmill. You take your time. You pace yourself. You have time on your hands to think about you and the Lord Jesus. That's what you're doing. That's about the best example I can think of. You don't do a lot. You don't go outside and start ripping and running when it's 95 degrees outside. Because you'll hurt yourself. Okay, let's continue. I wonder if Jesus posed that prayer as much for our sakes as his. Do you see that? Remember I said Jesus sometimes shows us things that we need to see. Now, I'm sure he prayed for it because he genuinely was concerned. Well, this is the author saying this. But he wants us to see these things too. Otherwise, why even have it in Scripture? Why even mention it? Remember, not everything that Jesus did was recorded. We know that at the end of the book of John. Not everything that he did was recorded. But the things that he has recorded for us are for what? Our benefit, for us to see, for us to understand. As a man, he certainly longed for another way. He wanted the cup of suffering to pass even though he knew it was his to drink. Perhaps, just as he taught through the Last Supper, he showed us how we can pray to our Father with honest abandon. Do you pray to God with honest abandon? Do you just let it rip how you're feeling? You know you can do that, right? You know he can take it, right? He can take however you're feeling. You can be mad as a hornet. And if you want to pray and tell the Lord, Lord, I am mad as a hornet. Keep it clean, y'all. But he can take it. Yeah. <clears throat> You're praying from the heart. You're being honest about what's going on in your life. We can appeal to him about anything because with him all things are possible and he hears us. He hears us. 
just like Roscoe's, Roscoe, just like Larry said. Uh, I know, man. Sorry about that. I saw Roscoe and I turned around and looked at you. <laughs> My bad. Um, just like, I don't want to lose this point. He hears us. It's from the heart. If we're praying from the heart and seeking him from the heart, he hears us. Not these vain prayers, not these fakery prayers, not just rote prayers. Prayers from the heart. Now, one of the things we did when we were younger, um, some of us, when we have younger children, we taught our kids how to pray, right? Just like Jesus teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to pray in Matthew as well, too. How do we pray? And he gives us examples on how to pray. And we would tell our kids, I'm like, now nah, I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, oh, man, I'm never going to go to sleep that night. <laughs> but we taught him how to pray, didn't we? We gave him a prayer and we used to say those things. Well, you shouldn't still be praying like that when you're 45 years old. Your prayer life develops when you understand what prayer is. So your prayer life develops. He hears us. He wants to hear you from you, though, from the heart. But perhaps Jesus also posed that prayer so we could see the difference between what is possible and what is best. Remember, sometimes we already know the outcome. We may not like the outcome, but we already know the outcome because, well, first of all, let's just start with this. All of us are going to die. Amen? We're all going to die. Amen? It's going to happen. There's a day appointed. The thing that we can look forward to is that we will live forever with Jesus Christ when we leave here. That's something to look forward to. That alone is worthy of praise. He's got you taken care of. If you, if, you, if you acknowledge Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, he has a place prepared for you. I'm looking forward to my condo. He's got a place prepared for you. I'm looking forward to my condo. Amen? There's a condo waiting. Something's waiting. I'm envisioning a condo, okay? I don't know. He says he has a place prepared for me. I'm going to say, okay, it's a condo. You know? Because it's going to be a group of us. It's all together. You know, you're living condominiums. You have people living around you and all that, too, you know? You don't want to cut the grass. Okay, well, there you go. Condo. I wonder if there are homeowners associations. All right, anyway, let's move on. That's a bugaboo with me, personally. The hour could have passed from him. The results would have been convenient for him, but they would have been eternally disastrous for us. Do you understand that? Eternally disastrous. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He loves the world. 
loved the world, loved us. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that through the world might be saved, the world might be saved through him. That's eternal love. That's why he did what he did. Do you pray for what is possible or what is best? When you pray with unselfish motives and a pure heart, focus on his will. You pray for what is best, not merely what is possible. Now, this is actually a challenge to all of us about praying for not just what's possible, but what's best. It comes back to, Lord, not my will, but your will. That ultimately is going to be the byline of our prayers. The byline. Not my will, but your will. Because, no, let's face it. We want good health. We want the best of everything that we can have in Jesus Christ. But ultimately, we've got to come back to and say, Lord, it's whatever your will is. Remember, go back to Mark 14, 36. How did Jesus end his prayer? Not my will, but your will. God hears requests for his will. Jesus prayed for God's will instead of his own will. Do you get that? The fact that you're praying according to God's will, he's going to definitely hear you. He's going to hear you. Whose will do you pray for most of the time? And Rothschild puts in here, be honest. Whose will do you pray for most of the time? Be honest. Pardon me? You want what you want. Oh boy. Now you just hit on a touch you hit on a touch point there. You want God to co-sign what you're doing. Mm. There you go. Be honest about how you pray. You see why having this exercise challenges you. You think you've learned how to pray? Maybe you haven't. Maybe there's still room for improvement. Absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm, being, I'm being diplomatic. I'm saying it like that. So that's a diplomatic statement. You're learning how to pray. You're still learning how to pray. Those of us in our 60s, 70s, and 80s, <coughs> excuse me, we're still learning how to pray. God cares about you. He cares enough to hear. He cares enough to answer even when that answer is not what you want or expect. There have been a lot of times we've prayed and we got answers we didn't expect. Didn't mean they were terrible either. They might have been even better than what we had imagined. Are you willing to pray like Jesus? Are you willing to appeal to God's power yet yield to his will? Finish up today by expressing your thoughts concerning praying for God's will by writing a prayer psalm below. 
You don't need to make it poetic, just honest. This is on the back page of your handout. And let's go to, real quick, since I know we're at, the class is almost over, go to Psalm 5. Psalm 5, verses 1 through 4. And we're in Psalm 5, and we're just going to read the first four verses and go down to verse 7 and 8, and then go down to verse 11 and 12 to help inspire you. <coughs> Excuse me, so this is your homework assignment. So it says in Psalm 5, To the choir master for the flutes, a psalm of David, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness, evil may not dwell with you. And then drop down to verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. And then go to 11 and 12. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. That those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Understand something. Your prayer in this manner, should be like a praise. And we're actually going to talk about that later. What is praise? Praise is a form of prayer. Recognizing living according to his will means that you are giving him the authority in your life. He is taking care of you from the moment you were born to today, and he's going to keep taking care of you no matter what. That is an act worthy of praise. So we'll stop there. And then it says at the bottom there, Lord, hear my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So use that as a homework assignment. Use that as a homework assignment to write down something. And, you know, use it as a matter of prayer this week, too. Go back to it and use it as part of your devotional prayers. God is challenging us to have deeper relationships with him. He wants us to keep going deeper and deeper. He doesn't want us to let up in this. Don't let up. He's challenging us to do this. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your presence today. We thank you for how you look after us. We thank you for how you remind us even in Jesus' humanity, that he wanted to do, be obedient to the will of the Father, Abba Father. We thank you for that <clears throat> reminder. We thank you for how you truly do teach us through the word. Thank you for helping us to see the importance of developing a deeper relationship with you. We pray now that the upcoming message are not my words, but your words, Lord. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.